Everyone's an Alice who wonders where they'll land when they catch up with the time, but have grown too tall to understand. Open up your mind to the possibilities of a Mad Hatter. Can I offer you some tea? Everyone's an Alice who wonders where they'll land when they catch up with the time, but have grown too tall to understand. Open up your mind to the possibilities of a Mad Hatter. Can I offer you some tea? Tea. Hey everyone, welcome to today's virtual premiere for Playtest, which is a proof of concept of Bill Svitek's upcoming film, In Search of Sunrise. I'm Alina Vision, and of course I'm joined by Bill Svitek, the director of the film. And we want to thank you guys for taking the time on this Saturday to join us and to experience this with us and ask some questions that you might have for Phil. Um, first, I want to get talk a little bit about Phil's prior feature film, Idol. Um, Phil, can you give us a little bit of background on it? Sure. So I had wanted to, always wanted to be a filmmaker. And so in 2019, I said, enough's enough. Let me, let me go make a feature film. Um, and so I got a group of my friends together that were actors and, you know, producers and we did it right. We did it on a shoestring budget, just wanting to prove that we could do it. And, um, through that experience, I think the movie came out really well. It's about kind of various people in LA, specifically living in or working and interacting in downtown LA. And it came out pretty good. And um, it's been getting a lot of good reception in the film festival circuit. And, you know, now we're in talks for uh, distribution in terms of all that. So I can't say too much about that, but the film is called Idol and it's on my website if you want to find out more about it. That's awesome. So what made you want to do a second feature film? I honestly, I think it's this idea that I just wanted to prove to myself that I wasn't a one hit wonder. If I'm being honest. <laughs> well, I think people are in store for something really special. Um, this is a very cool concept and I'm really glad that, you know, everyone gets to see it now. The, the fruits of your labor are paying off. So let's actually take a look at Playtest. Once again,
You can't find whatever top of mind is. Hop into that. Is she able to resist somehow? Don't worry. I think I got it. published a collection of her own poems. Your mother would be so proud. This is it real. This never happened. proof of concept. I'm so excited to really dive in with Phil and find out, you know, what motivated him to do this. So Phil, yeah. let's get a little bit of the backstory, the conception of this whole thing. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So, you know, I'm in some sense, like with the art that I try to make, I'm in, in a pl- I always try to do it from this place of, you know, what do I want to say? What's meaningful to me? And you know, what, what kind of matters and what can resonate with audiences. Right. And what, when the pandemic really hit, you know, like most people, I kind of struggled and, you know, trying to find my own way of, for a variety of reasons. And ironically, like this, this idea of Aya and her journey with her father um, really came to my mind. And, you know, I can't obviously reveal too much because um, there's like, in terms of what the movie ends up being, it's not what you expect. Um, And I think, you know, that was part of a greater lesson slash, you know, journey exploration that, that I wanted to go on at the time that we started writing. And obviously it's still exciting to me. Um, But also, you know, this, this idea of like this machine dynamic content immersion being this like, you know, what would a perfect form of entertainment be, right? Everyone, we, we're so like media um, insatiable. And it's like, well, what would, what would a personalized experience be like? And is that possible? And, you know, what does that mean for art and specifically artists? So there was a lot of things that I was kind of grappling with. And 
um, sometimes to my detriment that there was just too many ideas and I keep having to parse things out of it because, you know, the, the more singular you can make a message, the, the stronger it becomes. But that was really the inception of it. Awesome. Uh, tell us a little bit about the writing process. I know, obviously, writing during a pandemic is probably a little bit different of a process, like mentally, than writing, you know, during normal times, quote unquote. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you know, there, there was a lot of stuff happening, and I didn't want to be blind to the world. Um, but in my own weird way, you know, every now and then, I just like everybody need an escape. And like, writing became my drug. And, you know, um, early on, I, I uh, got together with Jason Squamata. And I said, Hey, you know, this sounds, or I think this sounds like something up your alley, would you be willing to go on this journey with me? And so it was, it was good to have a support system. And then, you know, he would write something or come up with something and I'd get excited. And then I would add ideas to that and he'd get excited. So it was a lot, there, there felt like this connection, um, of, of solidarity rather than just doing it as a, you know, solo writer in that moment. Right. Now going from the writing process to actually filming, what was that like? Because like we said, it's a pandemic and there was a ton of social guidelines and restrictions just in the normal world. So how did you go about getting this done? Yeah. I mean, that, that, that certainly was a big one. And, you know, obviously we were filming a small portion of it and, you know, part of the question becomes, you know, ultimately this is intended to be a feature film. So it was like, what would represent the movie the best way? So we picked kind of a portion, you know, you can see that it's the portion where Aya goes into the, the simulation for the first time. So that felt like a natural good spot. And it also, it's, it, it had the least intensity in terms of, you know, locations and, and people and so forth, yet still represented it well. But yeah, I mean, I'll be honest, like there was moments of like going into it, like there's pressure when you make a movie, but, it, but, but in this sense, it was like, am I going to kill anybody? And we were it, like, and right. here's the thing, we were as safe, yeah. we tried to be as safe as possible. You know, we had everyone get tested beforehand. You know, I, I was very upfront with people, you know, because it wasn't without risk. And, you know, I made sure like, hey, like, please take this seriously. Um, and even the way we shot it, you know, most people weren't in the scenes together. So like you see the principal with the two, um, you know, the guidance counselor and Aya, none of that like actually happened even in, you know, they never kind of ultimately all met. So, so there was a lot of pressure from all sides of, of how to pull this off and it's all against the green screen. So, you know, no one can ultimately envision what this thing is. Um, you know, sometimes not even me, which I can admit now in hindsight. <laughs> So, yeah, much different experience. Definitely. Um, tell us, like, why you chose to go with kind of filming at, like, Sin City, you know? Um, it's very, anim there's some animation, and walk us through that process. Well, I would say the process is more like Sin City in that, you know, like, like Robert Rodriguez with Sin City, he filmed everything, you know, he would film, like, let's say Mickey Rourke, and even though he'd be in a scene with like multiple people, he filmed everyone individually. So it was, it was more about the process. Now, as far as like if the, the animation style, um, I love movies like Scanner Darkly or Amazon's Undone TV series. And, you know, ultimately, this is a question of your reality and, and kind of what's real and, you know, what has meaning. So it gave it like this artifice, having it just be 
animated. Now, I can't say it's straight animation because obviously it's live action with then an application over it. Um, but it just it, it just felt like this added this layer and it, I didn't do it as a gimmick. I really love this artistic style and and I always want to make a movie like this. And this felt crazy enough to to, to use it on. So. Totally. I know, you know, both of us are editors and editing on green screen is obviously a lot different than editing, you know, just regular life out in how we how we live. Um, so was that a new experience for you to edit that much on green screen and um, all the VFX that you used? Yeah, I mean, you know, because she's having to react specifically to all the, all these things. And it's like, how long do you hold the shot for, you know, cause you ultimately want to get to get picture locked because then it's got to go to sound and, and, you know, score and all color and all that stuff. So we have to have the timing, right. But it's like, you know, you might think, oh, okay, a second and a half is good enough for this reaction shot. Then you get the visual effect back. You're like, Ooh, we need like two seconds. Um, so you're kind of really just guessing it. And like I said, I mean, there's also the moments of you have no idea. So when the morph happens between the mother and the guidance counselor, it's like, how much, how, how the hell do I pull that off just as far as the edit? Um, and yeah, you're watching this thing and you're like, is this good? <laughs> I can't tell anymore. Cause it's, yeah. So, but um, you know, you take it piece by piece and eventually you get to the finish line. Right, right. When you're in the thick of it, it's like hard to tell. But once you see the whole picture, it's like you get it. You get yeah. it, definitely. Yeah. So um, deciding to make it rotoscope. Talk about that. And um, how did the rotoscope work? So like I said, you know, it's a style that I really love and um, this felt right for it. And sure, some people can say like, well, you know, you don't need it. It could work just as well with live action. And sure, but I just, you know, if I was ever going to go for it, I felt like now was the time. And, you know, the, but the thing is, it's a very, it's, it's an intensive process, right? Normally people have to hand paint frame by frame. And so for me, it was like, okay, well, if they're painting frame by frame, why don't you know a film at the end of the day is a series of images so is there essentially a photoshop version of what i'm trying to create and if so if i can do that and script it then why can't i just you know essentially do it frame by frame but just through a computer so it's not true rotoscope animation in that sense but i found a lot of photoshop tutorials and so forth and jonathan moulton and i went back and forth and you know, um, we, he found one that he liked. I found one that I liked and we both liked parts of the other one. And, and then he was like, well, why don't we just combine them? And I was like, how the hell do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> Show me that. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. And then we, you know, he was like, then he showed me, he's like, just throw it into after effects and, you know, you can blend the, the layers through, you know, we did a multiplied blending, um, and, and yeah, like uh, it, in the end it, it worked and, and it, it didn't tax the computer as much as you would think. Like, I think ultimately, <laughs> I think ultimately for like a four minute piece like this, it took seven hours of render time, which is not, that's not bad. Yeah. That's not bad at all. I would have thought that it would have taken a long, a much longer time than that. Yeah. So. I, 
I thought I would have to tie up like one of my computers for like two weeks or something. Yeah, exactly. I mean, cause it's a lot of information that the computer is going through. Um, but it looks great. How now everyone loves to like kind of get into the budget and how much did it cost to actually pull that off? It, it basically costs as much as my first feature film. <laughs> <laughs> for the four minute. Yeah. I mean, Hey, if you're going to go big, go big. Yeah. And, but, but it also, so, you know, I looked at it, I was like, okay, um, you know, this was at around the time um, we were getting the second round of stimulus money. So I was like, let me put in the stimulus money to make this movie. And, you know, so I used that initial, you know, as, as the barometer. And then it just kind of kept going up from there just because, you know, it was all new to me. I didn't know how to budget and so forth. And at that point, you're kind of like in for a penny, in for a pound. So, you know, it's like, I'm not, if I don't put in the extra money, then I don't have a short film that actually works. And, you know, ultimately with this, like trying to raise a million dollar budget, it's like, no one's going to give me that money for the million dollar budget. I mean, that's what it ultimately is all about is this idea that I know this film I can't make without the financing. And so I, I needed this as a stepping stone to that. And so, um, you know, I was like, let's, let's go for it. And so, yeah, I, I think I have to do the final calculations, but I'm pretty sure it costs as much as my first feature. <laughs> That's just how it goes sometimes. Um, where are you now? Like, where is this in the process now? Where do you where do you go from here? So we have a we have a pitch deck done. You know, we have we have synopsis. Um, you know, for this, that's very tight. Um, my friend, script doctor John Comerford, who also produced this, and you know, heavily involved in a lot of my projects, he's polishing up the script as well now. So you know, the next phase is really trying to talk with you know, investors, as well as producers to, you know, see who, who really wants to make this. Luckily, I have various people in the business that, that um, are curious to see this. Now, where it goes from there, we'll see. But um, I didn't want to, I didn't want to push before I had at least this done. And, you know, kind of all my ducks lined up with the pitch, with the script, with this proof of concept, with a budget, and, you know, all that, you know, I like to have things good to go. All your I's dotted and T's crossed. I like that. <laughs> yeah. I like that a lot. That's it for Phil for at least right now. He will be back later along with Candace Cruz to uh, answer any questions that you might have. So if you do have any questions, be sure to drop them in the chat and we will collect them and ask them in the Q&A section. But for right now, let's take a look at a really fun behind the scenes moment of Candace Cruz who plays Aya. Can you run into the wall for me real quick? Me? Yeah, yeah. I'll call you. Oh. Oh. Nothing? Don't worry. It's a Cut. Excellent. Good. Love it. Let's do it one more time. <laughs> so now you got that, right? One, you're on. All right, we're back with Candace Cruz, who plays Aya. Hey, Candace, how you doing Hello. today? I'm good. I'm very excited because this is my first time seeing everything right now with you guys. So, <laughs> Oh, wow. So it's a premiere for you too. It is. Exactly. <laughs> That's great. That is so awesome. So what did you think of what you saw? 
I mean, it's so crazy because I walked in and I obviously like was had no idea what to expect. I'd never worked with green screen to this capacity. So it was a whole new challenge for me as an actor to really envision everything that Phil had given me. And he was so great at like illustrating everything as much as possible. Um, you know, it's hard to like explain and then what you see at the end. So you kind of have to figure out what you're looking at in your own mind and just create it. And um, it was beautiful. Like I had no idea that it would come out to this amazingness, I guess is the world. Is that a word? We're going to make it a word. word. We're going to make it a word. Um, But yeah, it was, it was an amazing opportunity to work with Phil and um, just to really challenge myself to do that and um, to see how it turned out. Yeah. Now you've been a part of the process or you've seen it from conception until obviously today, the premiere. So take us way back to the beginning (laughs) and what you were thinking and the whole process. You know, it's, I mean, it is an incredible concept, something that I don't think anyone's ever seen before. Um, And that's not typically like the genre that I watch. I'm a rom-com girl. So, but I love a fantasy. I love anything that's very intelligent and you really have to figure it out. And so when Phil called me up, he was like, are you interested in this? And he told me the concept. I was like, absolutely. And then once I got the script and we did the first table read, I was all in. I I think what I love so much about Aya is that she goes through such a journey of self-discovery and especially like juxtaposed to what we're going through currently with the pandemic, just for me as a person going through this, I was going through my own self exploration and discovery. And, um, you know, I think that the way that her journey went and got to learn so much more about her and then trying to encapsulate all of that in four minutes as well was just even more of, um, a puzzle to put together. And it was a really, really cool experience to do the beginning until now. Yeah. Now, how did you prepare for this role? Like what was the most difficult part of it and how did you prepare? That's always like my favorite question to ask people because it's always such a fun like just kind of to get to know the person and the actor and the artist and um, I would call up Phil a lot and be like okay wait so what is her relationship with this person and how did that evolve and like what was she like as a teenager and I just really wanted to know as much as possible about her that way you can kind of throw it away because we all have our nuances, right? We all have our experiences that influence how we react to something in the moment in time. And I feel like that's such a big part of my process um, as well as music. I'm a huge music person. So I always make a playlist per character. So I would listen to her playlist and I would just kind of like relive, you know, different experiences, especially because we do have some flashbacks that you saw, um, just so you can really have that full emotion when you're experiencing that with her. Because nine times out of 10, especially with this project, there aren't as many scripted words. So all of it has to be internal. And I think that was a lot of my process going into it. That's so cool that you made a playlist for her. I got to know what was on her playlist. Oh, I got to go back. Hold on. Let me pull up some of these. (laughs) I'll pull up my spot. You know what? I'm going to send you my Spotify link and have all my songs. Um, But I did have a lot more of um, a little bit darker, kind of Mm -hmm. the best way to describe it is 
those emo songs that we used to have back in the day in like the early 2000s for me I love Paramore so very oh, yes. much that type of vibe if that is the best um explanation for anyone else <laughs> <laughs> I, I I get it I get it and I feel like because it's so techy that Paramore and that dark type of music emo oh, yeah. music perfect playlist um how do you view the character of Ayla yourself or Aya yourself how do I view her yeah um you know I think I don't want to say confused because I don't think that that's accurate word but I think she is kind of going through that journey that a lot of us go through that I personally am going through of like your late 20s you're you're coming into your own it's almost a coming of age story but also like where's your morality? Where, why is it that you're arguing with certain things and what, why are you so passionate about certain points? And I think she's just really figuring out because when you're younger, you're like, this is what I believe in, but you really don't have a backing to why you believe it. You just believe it. And I think as we age, or at least my own opinion is that you kind of have to figure out why you believe in certain things and kind of dismantle them and then put them back together. And I think that she's in that space um, of really just coming into her own. And I, I always, you know, it's interesting when you're going back into prep of character, it, you can't judge a character. I think a lot of people are like, this person's good. This, and we're all in flux as humans. And I think that the more you take away the judgment of it and you just kind of realize their situation, I think that's when you fall more in love with the person that you're, you're playing and you're embodying. Definitely. I mean, it seems like, you know, when you're growing as a person, uh, you just, you know, you learn more and whatnot. Um, So what was it like walking into an apartment full of green screen and lights and you not even, you know, being with certain characters at certain times and having to act like that? I mean, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Right. (laughs) What is going on? You know, I mean, I will say in the middle of a pandemic and going onto a set, I'd been on a couple prior to this. So I was kind of a little prepared, but you never really know, especially now with just protocol and wanting to keep everyone safe. Um, But Phil made it such an easy environment. But walking in, I was just in awe. Like the, the, it just looked insane, like amazing, insane, not like insane, like, oh my God, it was incredible. And I, I even said that I just kept looking around, like how I like to be able to do this during the middle of a pandemic in general, but not even in the middle of a pandemic, pandemic in just life and really bringing to life a dream and um, putting it together to this level, like it felt very professional. It felt like, okay, like I need to step up my game here. Like I need to make sure that what I give is my all. And yeah. Right. Cause you're part of a team at that point, trying to get this yeah. thing off the ground. So definitely. Absolutely. Um, when you're filming and you're mm-hmm. filming out of order, out of sequence, does that ruin the flow for you? Or do you kind of get in your own type of flow because you're so into the character. I think it does take a little bit at the beginning to kind of get into a flow because I mean, again, you're being thrown into a green screen. There's no one with you. Like you kind of have to get your body used to it. You have to get your mind used to it because at first, even as an actor, you're like, this is really weird. 
Like I'm literally playing pretend by myself. There is nothing. Am I creating the right vision in my brain that it's coming out my face? So you kind of have to get rid of the inhibitions and then it's just play time. So it took a little while to get into the groove of it. But once I was there, I was like, this is great. <laughs> Clearly, I really wanted to get into it. As you saw in the blooper, can you run into the wall for me? So I know what it's like to run into a wall and not actually hit anything. <laughs> exactly. Get that. Uh. <laughs> like, How does my body move? When right. You do that? Yeah. So was seeing a storyboard before helpful in that to be like, okay, this is how I'm supposed to feel or look here. And then to the next scene, the next scene, did that help you? It did a lot. And I am definitely, um, when I work with the director, I want them to like lay it all out. Like, let me know everything. Um, like what direction, like almost choreography of like point, point, point. And then I can kind of add in the layers and whatnot. So the storyboard plus him instructing me and being like, this is the emotion that she's feeling at this point. It kind of helped influence um, where I was going with everything. All right. I want to know what are the, some of the similarities and some of the differences between you, Candace, as a person? Uh-huh. Ooh, that's a good question. Similarities, um, stubborn in the best way possible. I think that, um, and her passion, I feel like stubbornness and passion go hand in hand. I think that um, she really just wants good for people and she wants to fight for that. And I think that um, that's such a, a valuable asset to have. Um, and I think at the same time, there's a reminiscing of like the past and growing up. Um, if you notice in that shot where she's looking into the ocean and she's remembering certain things, I am a very nostalgic person. So I think that's another element that we share. Speaking of the ocean, what was it like jumping into the ocean in January? Are you part of the polar bear club? Like what is that? I had always watched a polar bear, polar bear plunge. And I was like, these people are absolutely nuts. Like who in their right mind would do this? Um, I had, so I had just traveled back like two weeks out. So I quarantined from the holidays and came back and I went and got my parka cleaned. So I was like, ready. I was going to the beach and I had my parka. I was ready to go. And you know what? It was actually very invigorating. Once that you got is, in, yeah. it was so nice. But that's, that's, the I mean, that's what my dad says when he like jumps into a cold pool. And I'm like, no, that's too much for me. Yep. yep. <laughs> it's like it it's was. refreshing. It was um, actually, we wanted to stay in a little bit longer because we were like, oh, we're like wide awake. And mind you, it was like 830 in the morning, 930 or something like that. It was fairly early. And we we're like, we could just stay here. You are braver than I. You are definitely braver than I. Yeah. I'm also like, if we're going to do this, like, let's not, excuse my French half-ass it. Let's like go all the way in and let's like really give it our all because you don't want to have something turn out that's just kind of like piecemeal. You want to make sure that you give everything possible um, to your team. And that's a sign of a good actress. Thank you. (laughs) Giving it all to the team. Exactly. All right. So let's, um, open up this to the audience questions to Phil and Candace and see what we got going in the chat. If you guys have any other questions for them, feel free to drop them in the chat and we'll try to get to all of them. Let's see, is and Phil is back on. So an audience question is, the style is so unique and cool. How did you develop it? And what was shooting and special effects process like? I take it that's for Phil. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, 
you know, as far as what, what we tried to lay out, um, you know, for me, it was really pushing myself in that way. Like, it's interesting for me, I'm a much more organic filmmaker. Like if you watch Idol, um, it's a very fluid camera movement. It embraces imperfections, whereas this is, is very heavily built upon a structure and you have to get it exactly right. And, you know, poor Jonathan, he's like telling me like, in order to do this, you know, you need to make sure you have the, the, the symmetry all lined up, this and that poor Khalil's telling me you've got to have the lighting correct. I'm like, we'll fix it in post, knowing that I'm the guy like primarily like handling the post um, and stuff like that. But so, you know, for me, there is that dance of, of having this organic blend, but, um, but also having it be, you know, structured in that way. And so, you know, like I said, you take it piece by piece. That's why, you know, I'm someone who generally doesn't do storyboards. I actually much rather prefer a a line, a shot uh, script um, because it it gives me a sense of the coverage I have and I'll figure out the angles and so forth on the day of, but I knew I couldn't do that with this, Um, especially because, you know, I, I don't think we talked about it. I didn't have a crew. It was literally, you know, I wanted to keep it as minimal as possible so, um, you know, it was me running camera, sound, everything and, and all that. And there was a part in the, you know, the set, right, doesn't rotate. So we had a camera locked off. And so I had to rotate the actors and keep telling, all right, now uh, the podium is on this side, even though it was on that side in the last shot. So and as confusing as it was for them, it was also confusing for me. I was like, I had to stop every couple now and then and be like, all right, hey, guys, can you guys help me out here? What's the, what's the spatial <laughs> relationship here? <laughs> So. Yeah, that's a lot to keep, um, you know, in your head and keep track of in your head because there's, you know, nothing else there. So interesting. Exactly. All right. We got another question. It says this uh, gives me Netflix black box vibes in the best way. Were you inspired by the series? Uh, I personally wasn't because I haven't seen it. Um, you know, it's always interesting. Like there's everyone gives me like a reading or viewing list of, of what it reminds them of. And sometimes people get a little hesitant of, do I go down the journey and, and watch this because then I'll be too inspired by it and like draw from it. I, I don't because I, I think that for me, it helps me avoid cliches. Um, and I love everyone. And as much as they say it reminds them of something, uh, I, I, it, it's none of those things. I promise you in terms of what the full thing is. And I, that it just, I'm not being facetious um, in that sense. It just literally is not. You know, so I don't know. Am I lying, Candace? You, you tell me. No, I agree. I mean, I, you kept giving me all this other stuff, of, of, like the inspiration, like you said, even prior to in your interview. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to like take exactly face value what you're giving me and then come from there. Cause I, I don't want to fall into the trap of imitation for me specifically, I don't know if that's the same for you, but like for, as an actor, I don't want to get into the point of where like I'm watching something that is influencing and then end up giving a similar performance or something like that. Yeah. By the way, I thought of another similarity between Candace and Aya. Oh, I'm interested. Tell me. <laughs> uh, just, just your ability like to think so fast on your feet with this high level of intelligence. Like I, you know, it, it was amazing to... To, to work with you on this in that oh, capacity you. like you know because for me a she's so quick and is able to pull so many references and and just yeah like she's well read you are too well thank you it was amazing working with you I know that that's not the question that we were going off of but like y- you did point out that you were the one-man band and I was 
insanely impressed, not only by the setup, but like, I've never done shots so quickly that he was like, nope, we got it. Let's go. Let's move on. I'm like, are you sure? Like, I can give this. No, no, no. That was good. Let's move on. I was like, oh, okay. okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Phil is very decisive when it comes to things Yes, like that. which I'm yeah. not. So I love that about someone else. Someone be decisive for me. <laughs> well, I think, let me also say this, right? Um, you know, the whole joke that I made about we'll fix it in post. I, I can do that because I'm shooting it and I'm editing it. I understand I, I didn't do the visual effects for it. So I was, I knew like there being wrinkles on the ground. I was like, they're going to hate me for this, but I have to shoot it. Um and so forth. But, but when you, you know, when you are the editor, like Rob Rodriguez says, you can have that leeway and I know exactly what I need to get. Um, and so I don't need to get all this extra coverage of Candace just for the sake of it. I'm like, we got it. We're good. So. Yeah, exactly. All right. Another audience question up. Oh, this one's about the playlist, Candace. People want to know the playlist. People want the songs. Yeah, I, I knew right away that was going to be a thing. They're, they're not going to be like, yeah, I made a playlist. Whatever, let's move on. People love playlists, let me tell you. Listen. I have a ton of playlists. Listen, I'll say okay. this. Let's, let's see how we match up, right? So, because I think um, I got asked a question about it too. So for me, okay. Aya always would listen to Rage Against the Machine, Renegades of Funk. Now that's a very guy answer, probably. See, look at Candace's reaction to that. Her playlist is probably something completely polar opposite. <laughs> um, yes, Savage featuring Flux Pavilion and Max. Um, can I curse on this? Sure. Okay, Boss Bitch by Doja Cat. Mm. Um, also, Alone Part Two with Ava Max. Um, Breaking Me topic. Um, I said Paramore, Cascade, Kygo, the list goes on. Savage is on here twice. So that was one I listened to a lot. <laughs> that was the theme. That was the theme. <laughs> Going through. See, people are getting new musical influences here. Love it. Um, okay. This next question is for Phil. Oh yeah. That's, I guess it's the same thing. Did you have a playlist? That you watch to um, prep for this, I guess, for the whole entire filming of this. Uh, for the entire filming. Um, I'm not or sure. Even so, when you're writing. Uh, it depends, right? So, like, I, you know, there's songs that, that, like, you know, work as far as what I would think the character is. But very much, um, you know, on prep day, I like, um, you know, for me, before Candace came, I, I like listened to various pump up songs. Because, you know, at that point, I'm, for me, I'm not trying to get into the character. I'm trying to uh, almost, for me, it's like a sport, right? So, like, no different than I'm going into a soccer game. I got to be ready. Um, now, I didn't, you know, um, when you work with actors, like, sometimes I didn't know how she would want things. So, I didn't want to have it loud. I, like, literally quieted everything. So, that way, when she came in, it was like, you dictate the mood of how you want it. And, you know, we'll, we'll do that. But because um, I didn't want to. You know, if she was like going to be in the zone, all of a sudden hearing this music, I don't want to throw her off. That's considered a deal. That's good. <laughs> That's good. All right. Well, that wraps up uh, the Q&A section, audience Q&A section of this. So right now we're going to take a look at some of the crew. Let's take a look. Laughlin, I am playing Aya's guidance counselor. And the way that I prepared for this role was I just thought about my nephew and try to be as nurturing as 
possible. Um, I also prepared by uh, putting gray streaks in my hair. Uh, those were not real. I just used foundation and a little bit of magic, which I mean is eyeshadow. <laughs> a little gray and white eyeshadow. A little bit about Lucia Tarantino. Uh, I met her in class and we actually, I felt like she was like perfect for this role because um, her and I did a, uh, a short scene for class um, for the film Room with Brie Larson and um, she played my mother and I just felt really connected to her and so when Phil came to me asking me if I knew anybody I just I knew that Lucia was perfect she is very warm and she's got a deep soul and I, I just know that she's perfect for roles like this because she really has a depth to her that um, really reads well on the screen. Grace DeMarco is someone I've known for a number of years and from the first time I met her, I just saw this amazing, incredible spirit, which is why when I was making my feature film, I just kind of reached out and said, hey, would you want to be part of this? And she said yes. And I never forgot that. It was a fun experience. And when it came to this, I also saw her role in the role of Emma. As soon as I kind of explained what it was, she was like, yeah, let's do it. When it comes to Daryl Kristen, he is primarily a host and a fantastic one at that, but he is also an actor. As of late, he's been doing more and more acting roles. I reached out to him. I said, hey, I've got this role for you. Would you want to do it? And he said, yeah, absolutely. Funny enough, uh, you know, given that he's a principal delivering sort of like a commencement speech, uh, Daryl told me he channeled his inner Obama to deliver that performance. Very late in the process, when VFX were nearly complete and sound design came in, I noticed when all the buildings are kind of falling down around Aya, it just it just didn't feel as chaotic as it could have been. And so I wanted to include the mom of Aya and the dad of Aya kind of being these voices that clash and so forth with her mental state. James Lott Jr. is a dear friend of mine with a fantastical voice wonderful artist in every sense of the word. And so I reached out to him. I said, hey, you know, is this something that, you, you know, you could do? Let's let's play around with this. You know, I don't I don't truthfully even know what I'm exactly looking for, but, but let's play here and see what we come up with. And he was game for it. And that's why I love James Lott Jr. Steve Bottomley is someone I've known for a decade. And, you know, I was I was looking for something to fill out portions of, of the film. This was very towards the end. And, you know, just to kind of make it all fit. And one of my biggest things with the with the film itself was that it wasn't a standalone film. And so, you know, I was kind of trying to figure out with Steve what could fit. And then I said to him, you know, what if you narrated this commercial and and whatnot and that can kind of open it up. And he did it. I have to highlight Jason Squamata, who is the co-writer with me on this script. Without him None of this would be possible. He likes to live in anonymity. John Comerford is someone that I never want to do a movie without. He is an amazing storyteller down to like a science. He can figure out like, okay, not only if something's not working, but what to do to fix it, both from the script perspective as well as the editing perspective. Khalil Abdelrahim, he is a jack of all trades. Uh, he has created multiple series 
that are both brilliant and funny, inventive and, and whatnot. He obviously starred in uh, Idol, but he also helped me behind the scenes on that one. And so that sort of relationship continued into this project. And he is actually responsible for helping me with the lighting and set up the whole green screen the night before. Ian Kaiser is a producer who's very, very humble, but makes amazing projects. His last film, St. Francis, won the Audience Award at South by Southwest. He recently just finished up another movie. And though he'll joke that he wants to get out of filmmaking, I think he's just someone who is absolutely incredible. Hey, all I'm Cody, and I was fortunate enough to be asked to compose the score for this film. I've known Phil for about 15 years now. We met back at Emerson, and we've been working on projects uh, ever since. I'm lucky enough to have worked on music and scores and art for a number of his projects, and definitely look forward to more collaborations in the future. So, hope you enjoy. Courtney Stewart, in a lot of things that she does, I believe is an unsung hero. She is someone who is able to both be very meticulous and organize people, but at the same time, she is able to be creative, right? That's what makes her this amazing person on any project that she's involved with because she brings both those elements together. Morgan Lester is someone I met through Courtney Stewart. And what I love about her is she's just got this wonderful spirit of like, all right, let's do it. That's the type of spirit that I always want around me. And the fact that she has that 24-7 is just fantastic. Thomas Tamora is someone that I met on this project specifically. He really seemed to get the project. We had great conversations. We seemed to connect. Obviously, he delivered what I ultimately wanted, even when sometimes I didn't know exactly what I was looking for in those moments. So I appreciate his patience with me. Edgar Cortez is uh, someone that I met because of Idol. And he's an incredible sound designer from Colombia. Honestly, I never want to do a project without him. He brings so much creativity to the sound design, the sound mix. I gave him a general direction in terms of what I was looking for. And then he's able to interpret that and take it to a new level, especially with something like this. I also want to shout out Emily Kremp-Holtz, who is someone I met while working on my first novel. And so when I had this initial idea for a feature film, she was someone I tapped right away and said, hey, I'm going to need your help on this. And I know your background isn't script writing, but um, I think, you know, you know, you know, storytelling. And so you're going to be of value to me. And so if you're game, you know, I'd love to have you. And luckily she was. Hey, my name is Jonathan Moulton and I am a visual effects artist. And I love to just pretty much do anything visual effects related in the film industry. So one of the things that drew me to this project was I, I like the story, but while I was listening to the story during the table read, my mind was just envisioning a lot. That paired with the conversations I was having with Phil beforehand, we were talking about the movie Undone and Scanner Darkly and the artistic process that went into doing that. We were trying to come up with a method to essentially recreate what was going on there but with a lot less artists and using more of a technical approach with an artistic approach. And that to me just sounds amazing. The fact that you can record it on green screen, you can pretty much put these people in any kind of environment, which is super fun because you can just make anything and everything. 
That was the talented crew that put this all together. And if you want to check out any of their work, everyone's links are included down below. They're all really talented people, so be sure to check it out. Um, and please spread the word for this short film. Let's get some buzz going for it. And if you or anyone you know is interested in producing, financing, anything with this film, uh, don't hesitate to reach out to Phil. Uh, we want to thank you so much for joining on this Saturday. And please go and check out Bill's YouTube channel. He's a content creator. He's super passionate about teaching people and the content he creates. And he's your 360 creative coach. So go check it out. Have a great weekend and see you later. And that's Alina Vision, everyone. <laughs>